All right, as I believe almost everyone here knows, any month that has five Sundays, we have three amigos bringing the message. And today is the five Sunday month. So I want to bring up here to the stage first and foremost, Pastor Timothy Martinez to bring the word of God this morning. Amen, amen. Hasn't it been wonderful this morning already? Haven't we just had a good time already? I know I'm used, you're used to seeing me at mid-service, and I just feel like it's the exact same God in the mid-service as I'm going to preach to you right now. Is that okay? Oh, come on. Is that okay? I need some participation from you, okay? I don't want to, I don't want to just do this lightly. Wow, there's a few people up in the balcony. That's amazing. I'm um, sorry. Okay, focus. Um, it is so awesome. I was thinking about, um, I don't really have a title to my message. I just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, I really just feel like there's, there's something I got to tell you about yesterday that ended up happening. I usually share a story, and normally it's about my family, because I want you to know that we're just a normal family, just like everybody else, right? And uh, yesterday, we had the wonderful opportunity. My wife decided that we should really go to the hot springs and go hang out as a family and do a family day. And I was like, yeah, totally. You know, when, like one of those ideas that are really good until the day comes. And then we're trying to get four kids into the car and we're trying to pack everything and you're trying to cram into your car and you're like, please, we're already an hour and a half late. I don't understand what is going on. You know, the next thing you know, somebody has to use the restroom, then somebody else has to use the restroom at a different time. And so we're getting there and uh, it took us a little longer, but it was beautiful drive. And it was a couple hours away, and we're just getting the chance to talk as a family and going through. And so we're at the hot springs, and I started to notice that each time I was with one of my kids, there was a different characteristic that I almost took on. Because each one of my kids, it's nine, six, three, and then a couple, couple months, six months old. And so each time I was with different, different one of my kids, it was a different aspect of how I was to be the father to them. Okay, I know, don't get ahead of me. I've got my notes, okay? <laughs> I know a bunch of you are like, I know this is going. Totally, we're going there. We're gonna, it's going to happen. But here's the thing. It's like, when I'm with my oldest, I realize something. Or No, let's, let's, let's don't do that. I'll tell you this. Let me, it's so amazing with kids, especially around water. And I've told you guys before, like, if I can't see the bottom, I don't want to get in, right? Um, and so it was really awesome to be able to, I could walk in this hot spring, and it only went to here, so it wasn't really deep. And um, so we're going around, and we're playing with the kids, and our, I'm playing with the kids, and Ezra's got the baby. And one of the kids that I was playing with, I noticed never let go of the wall. And he was one of the, they were one of the ones that kind of bounced, you know, and kind of like grabbed, then reached, and then grabbed, and then reached, and grabbed. And I was like, okay, now it's your turn. Swim to me. And I took a couple steps back. And I was like, it's okay. I've got you. It's going to be all right. And the one kid would not let go. I mean, they're almost in tears to let go of this wall. And I realized something, that how much am I've got that fear of man inside of me that I don't want to let go of the wall in my own life. That I know that when the father's saying, hey, come on, it's okay, you can come out a little farther, you can do a little bit more, and I'm saying no because I'm comfortable at where I'm at, and I'm comfortable with what I'm doing. And so my, the, the kid that I was with started to cry a little bit, and, and so I reached out, I grabbed him, and I, and I pulled them close with me, and I started telling them because there was a couple other kids. You know, you don't want your kid to be embarrassed, right? Because other kids were like, oh, I can swim. And they totally kick off the wall and started doing their thing. And it was like, you can do this. So I like reach out and I grab them and I'm holding them and I'm walking around and they start crying with me. And I told them, we don't have to cry. And they said, I can't do this. I said, no, you can do anything through Christ when you put your mind to it. And I thought about Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. It's, Paul writes it like this in the passing trance, or not Paul writes in the translation, but the translation version says it like this. I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things. I love that part. I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Does anybody resonate with that verse? 
that it's time for us to get off the wall. We've got a lot of things that we're moving forward that God wants us to do, but we have got to get over this fear of man and say, listen, I don't care if I've got to leap out in faith. I know my father is going to catch me and take care of me. Does, does that make sense a little bit? That it was so awesome as, as they, they jumped out, I grabbed them and I start walking and I'm holding them in my arms. I never let them go. I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the funny side of me wanted to like dunk real fast, but I didn't want to. Um, uh, but sometimes we feel like that with our father, right? That we're like, God, what are you doing? You're dunking me under this water where I don't want to be. And I thought about how amazing that he has put inside of us the explosive power that we can overcome, become conquering over every difficulty that comes into our life. That it's only through his son, Jesus Christ. Not of my might, nor of my power, right? But of by his spirit. So another kid that I was with, they wouldn't... Um, one kid that I was, I was <laughs> playing with, and they were holding onto the wall, and I said, okay, now it's your time. Jump to me. And they just jumped. And one of those jumps that even my heart, like, stopped, because I was like, I better grab them or they're going to drown. And, and all of a sudden, they go underneath the water, and they start swimming. I mean, it wasn't, like, the prettiest to swim, but at least they got to me. And they started going through, and I thought, how amazing at that moment that when they let go, their faith said that, I know dad's got me. And so I was taking steps back, right? I was taking steps back as far as I could, and they got closer to me. And when they came up out of the water, they started freaking out. And they're like, I can't believe you moved on me. I said, look how far you've come. And we turned and we looked at the wall, and they're like halfway through the pool. And we started laughing, and, and then they were like, I can do it. And then we, they pushed off of me and went right back to the wall. And they started swimming. And I thought, this is awesome. This is the amazing conqueror that God starts to fill as our father. That when we start to walk in the true identity and power that his son Jesus Christ gives us, that when he looks at us, he smiles and says, that's exactly the purpose that I have for you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've got to go. I know I'm losing time already. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9, it says, Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. How many of you know quitting is not an option? Quitting is not an option. We are pers uh, persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we're not out. I know we've talked about the difficulties of 2020. It may have knocked us down, but 2021, I don't care what comes our way. We are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. So what we've got to determine is I'm going to swim harder than I've ever swam. I'm going to reach out for the Father more than I've ever reached out before because I ultimately want to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does anybody want to do that as well? Okay, we're not knocked out, but and we haven't given up. Because remember, quitting is not an option. We've got a beautiful baby girl. Beautiful. I mean, I don't want to be pretty biased, but I'm going to say she's probably one of the most beautiful babies. Probably Matthew and Tessa, your baby as well, um, is beautiful. I don't, any other baby in here, your, your baby's beautiful as well, yes. But mine's a little bit better. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 she's not. All the babies are beautiful, but... She's so awesome. She just, she, we, we put her in this, in this swim diaper and we had to kind of stuff her into it. And, um, and she was so awesome as she's like in the thing. She's just, she's super cute. She's, you know, splashing around. But then she got tired and it realized something that she was so at peace. And you know, parents, as that moment that you wanted, like, jump, you went to like some trampoline place, you went to like a pool just to wear your kids out so they would sleep through the night. Okay, let's be real, anybody, right? Where you're just like, please wear yourself out because I want you to fall asleep in the car ride home. And our daughter fell asleep and she was the most peaceful baby. The most peaceful. And as we're, we're kind of sitting there in the stroller, I thought about something. That how awesome is our God that we get to rest in him. You know, she wasn't thinking about, I've got to make sure I've got to get up. She had to cook, she had to clean, or she had to do something. She didn't think about her responsibilities. Her responsibility at that moment was just to rest in her parents' arms. Does that make sense? And I know, I know you know where I'm going. It's like, how awesome that we get to rest in the presence of God. 
that we get to sit and he gets to hold us. He gets to take care of us. He wraps us up. I mean, we were, it was pretty cold where we were at. So we're wrapping her in a blanket and we're laying her in the, in the, in the stroller and we're pushing her around and, and she falls asleep and it's like, she's out. And we're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. But yet it's this moment where it's like, how beautiful that when God looks down and he says, listen, you don't got to worry because I've got you. You don't have to stress about it because I'm going to take care of it. You don't got to worry because he's always going to be there. He's always going to take care of it. And I know it's like those things, even when we got into the car, I thought about this as well. Like my kids were like, they started talking about Sunday service as we were sitting down having dinner after the pool. They started talking about Sunday service and they're like, well, we got to get home. We got to shower. We got to eat. Or we were already eating at the time. But we got to shower. We got to get ready tomorrow morning because we've got church in the morning. They were excited to get to this building this morning. Okay. And I thought how awesome in their mind, they have so much trust and faith in their father to get them to tomorrow. Okay, let's talk. That they had so much faith in me as their father to be able to know that when they get in the car, I'm going to safely get them from wherever we are at to our house, into their bed, and get them to church the next morning. How awesome is that when we put our faith and trust in God enough to know that, yes, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know he's got my tomorrow. I don't know what he's going to do, but my faith and trust in him says that I can lay my head down to rest. And you're, and you're talking to some, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, please, I'm preaching to myself more than, my, than anybody else. I, I'll stay up all night worrying about a conversation that we had. Um, and I'll, 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 I'll constantly be worrying about what's going to happen for tomorrow and what we got to do and, and, and plans and procedures and all these different things are going through my mind. But most of all, how much more that I can rest in him. Just as my daughter was sitting there waiting for us to just rock her to sleep and, and, and just with us. And that's the way we want to be with, with, with God and, and our Father. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 says, Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing, but saturated in prayer. be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overwhelming gratitude. Tell Him your every, every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. And finally, the last kid. I've got three minutes, maybe two, maybe whatever. <laughs> three? Okay, awesome. I'm doing good. Um, and finally, one of the last, the, not one of the last ones, but one of, the, one of my kids, and I probably will start to tell you this story, and you're going to know which one right off the bat. But they were sitting on the stairs as the rest of us were playing. And I turn and look, and they had water in their mouth, and they were spitting it at another kid. Yeah, you know which one. <laughs> and, and, of course, I said their name super loud, told them we don't do that. And then the kid said, but I did it to him first, or to them first, I guess. And I just totally told you, huh? I, I did it to them first. And I was like, okay, well, you know, you're trying to be, I was trying to be nice with other people. And I was like, hey, well, you know, we don't spit. We don't do that. You know, we want to, we want to be nice. And then my, my child did it again. And it was like, okay, we can't do this. And they were like, it's okay. Cause I splashed him first. And I was like, okay, well, please, I think you need to go swim some other place. And I thought, how? When our father looks at us and he sees us just as we were talking about, that we're persecuted, but we're not crushed. And yet the determination inside of one of my children was that, I, I understand and we dealt with this, okay, so please just hear me out as I, we kind of walk through this. But the determination in their mind was that if you're going to fight against me, I'm going to fight against you. And they've got that spirit inside of them that starts to rise up when they're like, hey, I want to go against all odds. I want to jump off the highest thing. I want to I push against most of these things. And I thought, how many times does the enemy push against us and we allow him to do it? That we start to sit there and we allow the winds or the rain to start to hit us in the face. And we're like, no, 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 it's cool. It's okay. Because whatever we become complacent with, whatever we, we allow to start happening is what we allow into our life and into our minds. And whatever we're starting to allow the enemy to start to let us lay, aside, lay into our hearts and our minds, 
the lies that he says about us or the things that he says, you can't do this or you can't do that. And yet taking us all the way back to our first scripture that I can do these things because it's Christ Jesus that gives me the power. Yet it's Christ Jesus who lives inside of me. So I know that it's, it's hard and it's difficult at times. But listen, if I'm that much more of, my, of being a father to my kids, how much more our Heavenly Father wants to do that for each and every one of us? That we're all at different stages, we're all at different walks with Him, but yet he became, I became the same father to this kid as I did to the next kid, as I did to the next kid, and how much more the Heavenly Father that He looks down and says, that's my son, that's my daughter, that's my son, and He calls us by name. And he knows us and cares for us and loves us. Does this make sense a little bit? So I, I just pray. Can I pray for you guys? Will that be okay before I end? Am I done? I'm done with time. Okay. Let me, let me, I'm close. Okay, let me pray for you. Would you put your hands out? Would you close your eyes? And I know that you might be feeling a little heartache and pain because you said, I might not have had a dad. I didn't have a dad past 11. My father died, so I didn't have a father. But let me tell you something. That when Jesus began to come into my life, I began to know the Father's heartbeat for me. I began to know what, who he wants me to be. So this morning, Jesus, I am saying over every single person, whoa, over people, over this, over this congregation this morning, that you right now, Lord, would become their heavenly father, that you would be able to call them and say, hey, you can let go of the wall, or hey, that was a good swim, let's do it again, or hey, you can, you can, you can push back on the enemy because I've given my son Jesus Christ to you, that you can live with that power and that anointing. So right now, God, whatever they are going through, we are saying that they are more than conquerors through you more than conquerors they will be able to take on every situation so we thank you we praise you and we love you this morning in jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. come on and everybody said amen. amen all right god bless you guys thank you so much that was awesome yes that was incredible i, I you would, I would have thought that Pastor Tim knew exactly the kind of opening when I shared the scripture about, you know, keeping your eyes on Jesus and the, and the waves and all of that stuff. I had no idea what he was preaching. He had no idea what I was going to do here. And it's the same thing with the next two speakers. Typically, we will just experience exactly that, that Holy Spirit speaks, works, and moves in our midst after that being said, where is Pastor Benjamin Snell? Let's give a valley welcome to Benji Snell. All right. So just for the fun of it, as I was sitting there, my phone buzzed. And a little reminder from Facebook pops up and says, it's Paul Redmond's birthday. So, happy birthday, Paul. And I see a, a new friend of mine sitting over here, Miss Megan. Glad that you were able to make it. Okay. So, I struggled over this all day yesterday. Hours and hours and hours of looking at a blank notepad. <laughs> at one point in time, the sun started shining through my bedroom window, so I, I've got a recliner in my room, and I moved it and positioned it to where I could just bask in the sun for a few minutes and just soak in his presence and uh, finish that and then started looking at a blank notepad again. But God has a word for us. And, and when uh, Pastor Lynn got up, earlier and started with the verses that he had and the prayer that he had and the song and, and everything. I was going, okay, there we go. There's the confirmation. This is what we're supposed to talk about. And I, I had opened my Bible to where there was a marker in it, and it opened up to Isaiah 8. And right smack in the middle of the page, Isaiah 8, 11, it says, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do, and don't live in dread of what frightens them. 
Make the Lord of heaven's army holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. As Pastor, as Pastor Tim said, you know, we've been, we've been through a lot this past year. It's been just a crazy year through the whole world. Every, everybody has had issues. Nobody has been left untouched by everything that's been going on and has continued to go on. But I think it's important that we, that we pay attention to what he says, to his word, and not the word of everybody else. To not get caught up in conspiracy theories, to not get caught up in the fear of what might happen, what could happen, what is going on. In, in Luke chapter 21, Jesus gives a long discord of, of the things to come. But in, in 21.8, it says, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and saying, The time has come, but don't believe them. And when you hear of wars... And insurrections. Now I had to stop. My wife brought this to my, to my attention the other day. Before, what was it, January 6th? When was the last time you heard the word insurrection? My wife brought this up to me a week or two ago. And I looked at that and I read it and I read it and I read it. And I'm like, hmm. Because I haven't heard the word insurrection in years. So I had to stop and I pondered on that. You will hear of wars and insurrections. Don't panic. Don't panic. These things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he added, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and plagues in many lands. And there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. Wow, did 2020 not bring all of those things already, right? We saw all of that. We saw these things happening. And I think it's important that we realize it's not time to panic, but it is time to pay attention. We desperately need to pay attention to what is going on around us. And not, like, like Pastor Renee said earlier, turn off the news. Please. Please. See, I'm, personally, I'm begging you, please turn off the news and don't talk to me about it. Because I get all riled up and I have to bite my tongue because I'm supposed to play nice. I'm not supposed to say things that come to my head just out of emotion in... In, in, and I start quoting scripture. And yeah, so just unless you want to get preached at, please don't. <laughs> what was I talking about? Okay. Insurrections and wars and rumors of wars and, and, and all of these things that are happening and things to come. They're, they're going to start happening. They're going to, we need to pay attention to that. But more, more important, we need to pay attention to there's there is one specific prophecy that some of you have heard this from me but to, that, that I have been watching and I've been waiting in in Daniel 9 927 says he will confirm a covenant with many of with many for one seven or a period of seven years in the middle of the seven he will put an end to the sacrifice and offering and at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. He's talking about the Antichrist here. And, and I'm not talking about the, the, the abomination. I'm talking about he will create a treaty. He will create a time of peace, an agreement of peace for a period of seven years. This prophecy I've been following, this is one that I pay attention to because I know that that is the final seven years. And that treaty has to do with Israel. That's the one we need to be watching. And I imagine that most of you haven't really heard in the news how close that is. There are many countries that have already come together on this peace treaty. We're this close 
There's only a couple of countries left to jump on and sign that peace treaty. That's the one I'm watching. That's what I'm paying attention to. That's the news I'm looking for is where are we on that? Now, we know that there are other things that still need to happen. So that's not going to happen right away. We know that because we also know that in order there, it goes on and it talks about the ending of sacrifices and, and so on. And in, in order for there to be an ending of sacrifices, sacrifices have to start up again. In order for the sacrifices to start up again, the, the temple has to be rebuilt. And that hasn't happened yet. Pay attention to what he says because he's already given us a timeline. We don't know the hour or the day, but we can tell the season. We can, we can look outside, and when we see the, the, the buds starting to grow on the trees, we know that summer's coming. That's what Jesus told us in both Matthew and, and in uh, Luke, where I was reading out of earlier. He goes on to say, hey, pay attention to the signs, to, to the seasons. Watch. So I, just, I, I want to quote something from Christ, too. When he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was arrested, before he was crucified, he went in the garden and he took with him Peter, James, and John, and he asked them, watch and pray with me. I'm going to go over here. My heart is, is broken. I'm distressed unto death. I'm going to go over here, watch and pray. And he comes back and they fell asleep. And he tells them, wake up. The hour's near. I need you to watch and pray. Christian, that is our situation right now. That's where we are. We need to be watching and praying. We need to be watching and praying. Watch what is going on. Watch what's being said. Pay attention, but do it through the eyes of this. That's probably really important stuff. (laughs) Do Do it through the eyes of this. Pay attention to his word. Read his prophecies and watch and pray with that in mind, knowing that he has us. We have no room for fear. We can't, we can't be fearful through all of this. Like, like Pastor Tim was already saying, he already set me up for this. We, we know whose we are. So question then, not yet a Christian? What do you do? Can, can you rely on this book? Is it a reliable word? Is it, isn't it just a bunch of mythology like that of the, the Romans and the Greeks? No, it's not. There's a big difference. There's a lot of big differences, but there's a big difference. This book has historical happenings of actual people. Not mythological beings. Not mythological people. There are, there are some things that you can see that, that line up. You know, the stories of Hercules line up a lot with, a, with some of the stories of Samson. But Samson was an actual person. He was a real person. He wasn't made up like Hercules. He wasn't half God or a demigod or whatever they want to call it. He was a man who was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Every person in this book, every miracle, every happening in this book happened. They're happenings. I'm trying to break, break myself from saying stories because they're not stories, they're happenings. These are things that happen. So can you rely on this book? Absolutely. Absolutely you can rely on this book. Historically, it is accurate. And, and more and more, as we discover more things in history that we didn't know, more and more things are lining up with what the Bible says, as opposed to what other historians have guessed. This is accurate. So can you believe it? Yeah. Yeah, you can believe it. There's a, there's a very important verse in here that you need to, that you need to believe. And most people know it. John 3.16, but most people stop short. And I think it's important that I read this whole passage to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God, uh, in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives in, by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. That's a lot to take in. But friends, I need you to understand, there's a freedom there's a freedom that happens when you come to Jesus, when you recognize you are a sinner, when you expose yourself, and you say, I'm a sinner. I've sinned. I don't want to do this anymore. Jesus, I'm reading that there's a promise in you that I don't have to pay for that sin because you already have. And I'm going to do something kind of crazy from the platform, and I'm going to oust myself. It's not the first time I've done this. But I'm going to tell you that I have been delivered from an addiction to pornography. I'm going to tell you that for, for years and years and years, I thought that I had to hide that from everybody. I had to keep that bottled up inside that I couldn't let anybody know because if anybody know, knew anything about me that detailed, they would never trust me again. And I'll tell you this, one of the most freeing things that I ever did was stand up here on this platform, I don't know how long ago, 15 years ago, 12 years ago, however long ago it was, and share that with everybody. And now it's a part of my testimony. That's just a part of who I am. It's my past. Not to relish and say, I've been there and I've done that. No, but to say, look what God has done. So if you're here today and you've got some struggle on your heart, whether it's an addiction, whether it's fear, whether it's unforgiveness, whatever it is, if you've got something on your heart, I want to pray with you right now. We want to take care of that because we need to get to that point where you can watch and pray with everybody else. So everybody, please close your eyes. Bow your heads. I'm asking everybody to do this because I want a confession of faith. And, and, and I want you guys to know, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Please, everybody have your eyes closed because I want a confession of faith. If you're dealing with something right now, if you feel like you, you are in a spot where, where your sin cannot be overcome, where, where there's no way you could, you could be forgiven. Raise your hand. Just lift it up. I'm going to tell you something right now, guys. Those of you and gals, those of you who, who, who lifted your hand up, Jesus sees you, and he's been waiting for you. He stands before you right now with open arms, and he's asking you, please come to me. Please lay that burden down at my feet. I've already paid for it. You don't need to struggle with it anymore. You have freedom. So confess so that you may be healed. Confess that to me right now. So I'm just going to lead you through that. Father God, I know I'm a sinner. I've sinned. I've committed adultery. I've committed murder in my heart. I've lied. I've mistreated. I've used your name in vain. Father, I haven't believed you. I lay this down at your throne right now. I lay it down at the cross, and I know that as I go on the other side, that this will never be remembered, because you said as far as the east is from the west, so far are my sins from me, that you've thrown them and cast them to the depths of the sea in forgetfulness. So I thank you for that, and I ask you to cover me in your blood, to bathe me, to purify me. I thank you, Jesus. I lay this down at your feet, and I turn and walk away, and I will not pick it back up. 
And when, and when the enemy comes to remind me of my past, I will remind him of his future. And I will keep my eyes on you, Jesus. Because you are my strength. And through you, I can do all things. Thank you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. I got a flag and I heard a beeper go off. I know I've gone way over time. I know my brother Matthew will give me grace on that. But I thank you all. And I, and I thank you for praying and watching. And if you made that confession of faith today, the word says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior, then your name is written in the book of life. Thank you. That was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. Just, thank you, Jesus. Let's just all close our eyes together for one second and, and just say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness, your promise, and I acknowledge that I am forgiven, that my sins are as far as the east is from the west, and as I trust in you, I will be empowered to overcome any obstacle the enemy puts in my path. I love you, I trust you, and I fully believe in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, and now it was a couple months ago, this five Sundays, a couple months ago, when Matthew, I remember speaking prophetically at that time, that referring to him as Pastor Matthew Forsyth. So I call to the platform, Pastor Matthew Forsyth. How's everyone doing? Can I start out with a dad joke? Anyone like dad jokes? Or maybe you cringe. Okay. What do you call a bee that can't make up its mind? A maybe. A maybe. I'll stop. That's no more. Well, Louie knows I have about a thousand of them. I've been giving him uh, fresh dad jokes for about six years here. Okay. Tempted to bring two Bibles up, and I'm like, I don't know if the podium can support both of these. But here we go. So the year was 2001. It was the fall of 2001, a month or two after 9-11. So I want you to go back there. I was in my freshman year of college in Wisconsin, the north woods of Wisconsin. Anyone from Wisconsin? Oh, what's that all about? Yeah. Um, I know it's getting close near Canada. So there was a lot of boots and yes, sure, yes, you know, all that. Anyway, I won't even attempt to do a Canadian accent. I'm in my freshman year. Um, I was at Wisconsin Wilderness Campus. It was a one-year Bible school that only accepted about 15 guys and 15 girls. It was an experiential learning school in the north woods of Wisconsin in which we would go cross-country skiing on the weekends. We would do trust falls and rope courses. I don't know if any of you are into that kind of outdoorsy stuff. I loved it. And we were at an indoor rock climbing expedition, right? And everything was kind of all about working together and learning things experientially. I was one of the kind of directions of this one-year school, and we were rock climbing, and I don't think at that point I had ever rock climbed in my whole life. I'm 18 years old, 
and it came time to my turn to, to you know, go up the, the rock, the wall face, and I got harnessed in. I was probably 15, 20 feet up, and I said, uh-oh, I don't know if I can reach. I don't know where to go next, and I started to panic. I started to panic, and you know what happens when you stall, right, when you're rock climbing? These forearms hurt just a little bit. Has anyone been there? Has anyone done any rock climbing? Those forearms burn, right, and they hurt. And so I'm up there, and all of a sudden, the, the students down here, my fellow students go, reach to your right, reach to your right. And then down here to the left, the students were going, reach to your left, reach to your left, reach to your right. And I'm going back and forth like this, trying to hang on, you know, and not fall off. And I'll never forget it. The director, Mark Jolovic, who ended up mentoring me that year, he was the director of this creative school. He was right over there, and he looked at me, and he said, Matthew, do what you want. And I reached, and I got a little further, and I fell. But he said, Matthew, do what you want. Okay, fast forward later that year, 2001, this is the summer. I had interned that summer at a Wesleyan church in, in Cable, Wisconsin, or it was Hayward, Hayward, Wisconsin. Me and two other students, two guys that I became buddies with, um, and the staff said, we have a huge youth group. It's growing I know our youth group is growing like crazy. I think it was 38 kids on Wednesday. So it was like that. It was just growing and more and more kids are coming to Christ. They said, we want you to stay on for the summer. So a family took me in for the whole summer for free, paid all my meals. You know, as a, a poor college student, that's a pretty good blessing. And then I get to intern at the church as a youth support, youth helper. Well, as the summer came to a close, I had only done one year of school and I knew I wanted to go on for four years of Bible college. Well, my parents had taken me like five to seven different Bible colleges uh, all on the East Coast and into Chicago. And when it came to the end of the summer, I was vacillating. And I said, it's going to be Philadelphia College of Bible. I visited that campus that's near my family because my family's from New Jersey, you know, Pennsylvania. Or it's going to be this school called Multnomah Bible College in Portland, Oregon. I had never been to Oregon. I had never been to Portland. I didn't know anything about the weather of the West Coast other than maybe what I've heard. And I was vacillating back and forth and back and forth and analyzing this and putting down the pros and cons. I don't know if any of you have been in that place when you're trying to make a decision. And you're putting the pros and cons and you say, but my, this is close to my family, but this doesn't have family. And I vacillated till I was blue in the face. And I'll never forget. I was at the top of the stairs at Matt and Holly Ludke's house. They're one of the most loving they were like parents to me. Matt was a doctor, and Holly was a stay-at-home mom with her two sons, and two of the most loving people who took me in that summer. Looking back, it was God's hand. And Holly looks at me, and I'm at the top of the stairs, and she can tell I'm worrying about this. And Holly looks right at, right at me, and she says, Matthew, where do you want to go to school? And I knew pretty quickly it was Multnomah when she said that. And see, both those people, both those stories, I'll never forget for the rest of my life, they were godly men and women who asked the right question in my worry. And we're going to get at that here. One of my favorite people in the Bible is Solomon. Who here likes Solomon? King Solomon. Yes, son of David. Um, in a dream, he asked God for wisdom instead of wealth and all these other things. So God decides to give him wisdom, and then he gives him everything else with it. And again, I believe, I, you know, I've prayed in my heart. I believe the Lord showed me he's the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus Christ. I believe that God gave Solomon. I mean, it says people traveled from all around to Solomon. And one of my favorite books, you know, really what we have is the Proverbs. Does anyone love the Proverbs here? Yeah. So today is the 31st of January, and many times I've gone through the Proverbs where you can do day one, right? Because we have a lot of 31 day months. I don't know if anyone's done this. Proverbs 1 on day 1, Proverbs 2, Proverbs 3, right, all the way through. I want to share this morning my absolute favorite. If, you, if I could only have one proverb, maybe two verses, these would be the two verses. And they're going to be familiar to many of you, but hopefully you'll hear something new this morning. So in the New King James Version, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. 
And some of you already, if I say Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, might have heard this before in your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Isn't that a good word? I'm going to read it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. One of the best promises in all of scripture, you know, many times Pastor Lynn and others have said, believe the promises. He has promises, right? We're, in a, church, we're a church who leans on the promises of the word, not just the word, but the promises of the word, right? God keeps his promises. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust. A picture of that is, I hope I don't damage this. This is trust. I trust this to support me. And that's a great maybe Hebrew picture, right? Because he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean, sit, do not sit on your own understanding. We don't want to sit on our own understanding. We want to, we want to sit on the Lord, <laughs> lean on the Lord, right? And it says, with all your heart. What is the heart? And we sang about it in just every song this morning. I just felt like God is after hearts this morning. He wants your whole heart, not 50%, 60%, 70%. I love the, the word in one of the songs we sing, and he stole, what did he, he defeated the thief and stole my heart or something like that. I know Christy could, knows it by heart, but, and he stole our hearts, right? God is after your heart. He wants your whole heart, but he can't have your heart if you are in mistrust. One of the problems of the fall when Adam and Eve sinned is they broke trust with God, but more importantly, or more severely, I should say, is they became mistrusting. We became mistrusting, and the carnal man the man that Jesus came and died for, right? That old man is mistrusting. It, that old man is not quick to trust. And we hold back our hearts from the Lord. And often what holds us back, and that's why I shared those two stories, is life is all about decision-making, right? You could sum up life is kind of a bunch of opportunities and decisions. Every day you make decisions. Every couple months you come to maybe a bigger decision. In the last two months, I've gone through a huge decision that I needed to make. And maybe some of you right now, I just feel like God had me speak to a few people, maybe there's more, who are going through a decisive decision-making time. And when we're going through these critical opportunities of life, we have two options. We can be terrified, like they were on the boat, like we heard earlier, or we can trust in the Lord with all our heart leaning not on our own understanding. You see, the carnal man leans on his own understanding. The carnal mind, uh, in one way, and this is language from our church from years, looks to the plan first, not the presence. It's all about the strategy, not first his presence. That is the carnal mind. The scripture says the carnal mind cannot please God, it's hostile to God. Those are strong words. And ultimately, if you rely on your own understanding, and again, Benji was vulnerable. Thank you for sharing a stronghold in your life. One of the biggest strongholds in my life was worry. To the point, worry and fear, but really worry. Because God's made me analytical, and I'm, I love big picture, and then dissecting it, and then bringing it back. I love dissecting the Greek and the Hebrew. That's just what I do in my spare time. I love to think but, you know, as a brother shared with Mark, I don't know where you are, Mark, but we have to get out of our heads we were talking about this morning. Have any of you realized that a lot of times we got to get out of our heads? We're stuck in our heads, that stinking thinking. We're relying on our own understanding. We're leaning upon it. And I think if we're honest, a lot of my life, especially at critical junctures, although if you do it at critical junctures, you're probably doing it on a regular basis, a stronghold in my life that brought me so much torment was worry and anxiety. It is a horrible prison. 
But this promise here, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge. Now, we're going to read another translation here in, in a minute, but I've meditated on this scripture for years because I've needed it, not because I'm great. It's because I've needed this passage. And I hear acknowledge, and I don't know about you guys, but I come into a big room, and I might see, oh, there's John, and I acknowledge him, and I move on, right? That's what I think of with the word acknowledge. I think that's kind of a modern understanding. Or like, you know, next weekend, we're going to watch the Super Bowl, and I guarantee a guy's going to spike it, go down on one knee, and go like that to God, right? You know, the acknowledgement of God. And I'm not there to slam that. It's awesome they're giving glory to God. But when I would see the word acknowledge, it's kind of like, God, I'm going to do my thing. Oh, you're right there? Hi. Let me give you a thumbs up. And then we keep going. But this word acknowledge, I believe this is the heart of the passage, is yada or yada. It means to become intimate, face-to-face, experiential knowledge. One of the first uses of this in scripture is an Adam, yada, Eve. Adam had relations with Eve. Adam was face-to-face experiential in a physical experience with Eve. You see, I believe God's heart, our Father's heart, is coming out in this passage. And he's so good, and his promises are good. He's saying, you don't need to worry. You don't need to give way to anxiety. I don't want you in the prison of leaning on your own understanding and all these decisions in your life. I invite you. This is really an invitation of God. Would you, yada? me in all your ways. Let's go to the Passion Translation. I just read this a week ago for the first time, these verses. And again, these are dear to me since I was little. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you. Every decision you make, become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Oh, woo! Who here likes the Passion Translation? This was gifted to me recently by a dear mother in the Lord. And thank you, thank you, thank you. You know who you are. I won't put you on the spot. I've been so blessed by this. I want us to go to Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. This is in the New King James Version. Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. I love the whole book of Jeremiah, but if I had to have only two verses... These would be my two verses, just like I shared about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I've read the book of Jeremiah many times. I would literally just, that's fine, just give me those verses. Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. Let me just look up here. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this. That he understands and yadas me, that he knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight. What is the delight of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? What does God desire? What does he delight in, right? We always talk about what delights us. What delights God? The one who understands and knows me. The Passion Translation has not been translated here, but who is intimate with me, I'm pretty confident that the author would translate. Who is intimate has a relation exchange, is seeking relationship first, not how wise I am, how mighty I am, how my riches, but seeking first to know me. And you see, as I've meditated over on this over the years, as God has freed me, and I will say this, I have been delivered from worry. I am delivered from worry. I am delivered from anxiety. That's not who I am, and they do not rule me. Now, do they tempt me, and do they sneak up in? Yes, but I've been freed. And I know, wait a minute, I don't need to go back in that prison cell. I'm on the outside of those walls. And I just declare that I believe today is going to be a breakthrough for those who struggle with analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis is not of God. God has maybe given you a mind to analyze, but are you seeking to know and trust him first, or are you seeking to analyze and put God on the back burner? Because then you don't experience the leading of the Lord. Who 
who he, I mean, how many prayers? I've been on prayer ministries for years, and 90% of them seem to be, I don't know whether he should buy the house or not. I don't know whether if I should marry this person or not. We all want the will of God, right? We all want his leading. And I believe Solomon, although 2,700 years ago, and now we have so much more understanding of this in Christ, right? Was revealing the wisdom of wisdoms. I believe that this is one of the most wise things and it has been a teacher to me for years and years and years. And I'm still being humbled by this passage because I still find that tendency to want to lean on my own understanding. Even with, you know, we shared this morning in 2020, and, and I have to watch it sometimes with my family. They want to talk about conspiracy this, and then the White House, and then this is going to happen, and then this. And I'm not, please, I'm not making a judgment if that's something you're into. But there's a point where I say, Stop. Are we leaning on our own understanding? Because 90% of what they said didn't come true. But what I know is that if I rest in his love for me and I allow him to speak to me and hear his voice, he will direct my paths. And he will direct the paths of this nation and this church, right? On a corporate level and an individual level. That in the, in the Hebrew here, I just want to draw out some Hebrew. I love the Hebrew, the revelation that's in there. Shall direct your paths. Really in the Hebrew, the picture is, and with it is remove every obstacle. And are there obstacles in your life this morning? Are there financial obstacles? Are there relational obstacles? Are there things that you, you want to you walk on a certain path? You want to say yes to a certain thing? You maybe want to make a major purchase Maybe a house. I know some of you here are buying your first house, and that can make your hair fall out. Right? It can. It doesn't have to. Right? He wants to direct your paths because he's a good father. One of my buddies, and I think he's listening to it right now, so Kelly, hello, if you can see me. Uh, so I shared about my freshman year of college. Well, a year later, I did go to Multnomah. And one of the buddies that I met was Kelly. Kelly and Tiffany um, and their family are near and dear to Tess and I. We've done vacation so many times. And Kelly and I have laughed together. And it seems like at critical points in our lives, God has put us in touch with each other. And this last two weeks, Kelly has called me to pray for him because he's, you know, considering moving out of state. And there's a possibility of a position opening up for him. And I'm in a place of transition, and just God, isn't God good? He just puts that friend back in your life so you can bless them, and then they can bless you. And there's an exchange of the love and the wisdom of God. I love that. And as I began to, you know, we were soaking in the Lord as a family, and as I began to pray for him, I felt strongly, and the Lord reminded me of this, and that's part of why I'm preaching on this today. First and foremost, and this goes to you, Kelly, who's watching, and I texted him this, God's not calling you to Idaho or not Idaho. Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I take the job or not? He's first calling you to himself. I believe that's the wisdom of this passage. In all your ways, when you're at critical junctures and have to make critical decisions, the Lord is saying, oh, would you know me? Would you spend time in my presence? and I will direct your paths. Yes, amen. And let's go back to the beginning of the story. Two people asked me, why was that wise? How does that relate? Because I, I shared about vacillating. Obviously, that relates. But then both of them said, do what you want. And the other said, go to school where you want, right? It is so important that we take time to converse with God and be in his presence because your true, real, and eternal wants and desires and destiny is birthed, cultivated, and blossomed in intimacy with him. I'm going to say that again. It is so important that you take time to be in his presence, to know him first in all your ways, not try to analyze and lean on your own understanding. Because in his presence, as he talks with you, as you walk and talk, in the still small voice, and maybe you get images, however God meets with you specifically and personally, your real, true, and eternal wants and desires are birthed, cultivated, and blossom. Amen. Then you know what to say yes to and what to say no to. 
We often don't know what to do because we don't know what we want. But you can't know what you want unless you're in relationship with God. Because he knows your purpose. He knows your destiny. He knows what makes you come alive. And I, a wise, I believe this was John Eldridge. Uh, but I believe he said one day, the, what the, world doesn't, the world doesn't need people just to go out and do stuff. He needs people to go and be alone with God, find out what makes them come alive, and then offer that to the world. And he's speaking to men there, but that goes for women as well, right? That's why they call it the passion, right? God wants us to live with passion, and he wants us to know what we want. And that's another thing. Man, I I could go on. There's so much wisdom in this passage, but that's one of the things. As I look back, and I remember Mark Jolovic saying, do what you want. And I remember Holly saying, go where you want. It was loving. She was forcing me to find out what I want. Well, how do I find out what I want? As I get to know him and as, as I live in the knowledge of how he knows me, then we get to know what we want. If you guys want to stand, I want to end with one more passage. And I want this to be worshipful, not just ideas here at the end. It's funny, we started in Philippians and we're going to end in Philippians. I love the letters of Paul. And I believe there's many times where his heartbeat comes through. But I believe if, this, if there's one passage that's the heartbeat of, of you know, Paul, it's Philippians 3, 3 through 11. For we have already experienced heart circumcision, and we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Christ Jesus has done and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. It's true that I once relied on all that I had become. I had a reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments more than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. I was born a true Hebrew of Hebrews, a heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the Messianic believers with religious zeal. Yet of all the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them and I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ, my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing my boasting all on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now. Very accurate translation, by the way so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. My passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know, to know, the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in with me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him and his resurrection from the realm of death. Amen. I want to pray over you guys right now. We're going to have the prayer team come up right now. And you can come up for prayer in a little bit, but before you go, I do want to pray for you as as Tim did and Benji did. That was on my heart as well. So just receive, be in receive mode right now. Just be in receive mode and open your heart to him. Father, I thank you for every person here. And I thank you, God, that you don't just see people, you see hearts. And I thank you, Father, that every heart matters to you. And right now, I pray particularly for those who struggle with analysis paralysis, with worry or anxiety, of the pride of leaning on their own understanding, 
And I pray right now that would break off in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, all anxiety, you must go. All worry, you must go. And I release in the name of Jesus the peace that passes all understanding. Right now, Father, I pray for your peace to fill each heart and mind. I pray your peace, your peace, your peace in the name of Jesus. Father, we will trust you with those big decisions coming up. We will trust you with those financial decisions and career decisions and marriage decisions, God. We want to know you first, not figure it out. And our passion is to know you, God, more. Our passion is to know you. And yeah, I might be facing this difficulty this week, but I look aside from the difficulty and I say, God, how can I know you? How can I know you? So God, bless every person here. Bless their families. And I thank you, God, for sweet moments this week as each of us will make decisions that we get to know you in all our ways. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Come up for prayer. Have a great day. Have a blessed day.